If you're anything like me, there was probably a moment in your life when you realized that mental health is as crucial as physical health and that maybe, just maybe, our community doesn't address it as well as we should. Uh, It's usually after you've been through something pretty tough yourself and understood just how close all of us are to everything going quite wrong quite quickly. In this world where the conversation around mental health is gaining momentum, which is good, there are still barriers that need to be dismantled. And one major barrier is the stigma surrounding men seeking help. And this is where Dr. Zach Seidler comes in. He's a really interesting cat. Dr. Zach Seidler is a trailblazing clinical psychologist. He's dedicated himself to addressing the overlooked crisis of male mental health. Zach has done groundbreaking work on an effective therapy model specifically designed for men and hopes to break down the barriers that prevent them from seeking support. Uh, Zach developed uh, Men in Mind. It's a world-first online training program for therapists, uh, which is a program that aims to increase those therapists' confidence and skills to engage with and connect with and respond more effectively to the clients that come to see them. Now, like many of us, Zach's purpose was locked in when he was just quite young, uh, at 11. Zach had witnessed his own father's struggle with depression, which he does touch on today. So it's no surprise that he's on a mission. He's on a mission to transform the landscape of mental health. Today, we also delve into the impact of masculinity on men's mental health, the role of societal expectations on men, and how we can work together to support the well-being of the men in our lives. He's got a really insightful perspective, Zach does, and he offers quite a fresh look at some complicated subjects while also providing hope and practical solutions that can make a difference. He's got a pretty good day job, Zach. He's the Global Director of Men's Health Research at Movember. Yeah, big gig. He's also Senior Research Fellow with Origin at the University of Melbourne. Today, Zach and I are going to speak about uh, the impact of social media on men's health, Uh, the importance of introspection and understanding the needs that you might have, the role that purpose plays in life, the need for a sense of achievement, and also the need for safe spaces for men to discuss their emotions and and struggles. And of course, we also talk about Movember, the work that Movember is doing in improving men's mental health. Movember are fantastic. They're celebrating 20 years this year. And um, as we close in on the hairiest month of them all, I would encourage you wholeheartedly to, uh, you know, start important conversations, raise funds, save lives, sign up at Movember.com. I'm proud to be a Movember ambassador. They do fantastic work. I love working with them. And um, I think it's vital, vital work. It is important to talk about all aspects of men's health, including setting out what is at stake. So this conversation does touch on addiction. It does touch on self-harm and suicide. So if you're in Australia and you need to chat to someone, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Outside Australia, call your doctor, call your local support line. Zach's a great bloke. This chat is really special. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. But first, I have to play some ads because I've got to keep the lights on. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. TikTok is a perfect example, social media more broadly is a perfect example of where alarmist narratives are going, this is where toxic masculinity is being bred. There is very little evidence to suggest that that is the case. Really? Yeah. If young men want to uh, have, hopefully, that insight, yeah, that self-regulatory ability to go, I need to check out of this, there is nowhere to go. There is ostracism. We cannot throw out the baby with the bathwater. We cannot go, let's get rid of all social media. Because there is, we, we can't even begin to quantify what the good is, let alone the bad. So we need to understand the Goldilocks zone. Where is it actually helpful and how can we go, yep, that's enough. That is Global Director of Men's Health Research at Movember, Dr. Zach Seidler. This is Osher Ginsberg, Better Than Yesterday. Hello, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to the show. This is Better Than Yesterday, a podcast that's been making it better every episode since 2013 by learning something new through a conversation with a person that's been there before. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm here. Uh, Mondays and Wednesdays with a guest, Fridays with you. There's 500 interviews to get stuck into that I've done on a Monday. Boy. And 200 eps on a Friday. A Friday is me kind of talking with you about how I got through my week or some challenges that I've faced or things that I've, because I never really heard other men speaking about, or anybody really speaking about how they got through challenges in their, in their week, um, in a healthy way. And so I just started doing that on a Friday and look, they're good episodes. People really like them. There's lots of lots and lots to get stuck into. If you are a regular listener, I would really appreciate you jumping in on our listener survey. You can find it in the show notes. Uh, we've had a relationship for a long time, you and I, and I think it's important in any relationship that you make sure that the other person's getting what they need. So I'd love to know, you know, if, you know, you haven't listened for a while and, you know, you're checking in on this episode, I'd love to know what the difference is or, or why you're checking back in or where you went or what you need out of a podcast that you're not getting here or what you'd like more of from this one and less from. I'd love to know all that stuff. Uh, you can find the link in the show notes and it'd really help us a lot. If you want to find me, I'm pretty easy. Send us your email at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Kate who sent me a photo of what she's looking at while she's listening. I love seeing what you're doing when you're listening to the show. Kate, it's a picture on a treadmill. Kate is working on a goal of walking 100 kilometers in October, raising money for mental health. That is absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Kate. Uh, she's listening to me while she puts one foot forward. Yay! See? A step at a time, Kate. There you go. That's all it is. I love it. Thank you so much. One step at a time. Send us your email at gmail.com. 
and uh, maybe Kate, while you know, while you're there on your on your treadmill, you can open up your phone and you can sign up at movember.com to support a mate. <laughs> Enjoy this chat with Dr. Zach Seidler. I'm glad you came. Thank you for being here. You work for Movember. I do. Zach, what's your title at Movember? I'm the Global Director of Men's Health Research. Global Director of Men's Health Research, and yet a full beard. I know. It's not November yet, mate. Ah, I we are it. recording this a few days <laughs> out. Uh, you have a fiancé? I do. Has your fiancé met you sans beard? I thought you were going to say, does she have a moustache? <laughs> Depends on the, on that's the time. That's a very personal question. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um, she has met, yes, she's met me sans beard with a moustache and I bought her some tash rash cream, as we call it, because it's, it's a sight. <laughs> I've also got some serious Borat vibes when I go when I go mustachioed. So just try to, you know. It's in my contract, though. It says, if you can, you must. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can, it. you must. Got to do it. Wow. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important symbol of, of connection, man, of, of, of coming together, of, of mateship, of, of yeah. you know, self-betterment. Yeah. Man, of, of masculinity. That's what we're about. <laughs> How did uh, so Movember? The the story goes that it was a bunch of blokes sitting around going, "What's a fashion that's never come back? Why? Oh, mustaches!" And they it was a bunch of them. They uh, some of the ex ADF guys, and they grew some mustaches, and it was hilarious. And they decided to do it for charity, and they ended up with like this humongous amount of money. And when they gave it to, I believe, the Prostate mm. Cancer Council of Victoria, mm. I think it was mm. like $60,000, they said, this is the largest amount of money anyone's ever given us at once. And they realised they were onto something and pretty quickly that a lot of... Um, governance. Governance. Yeah. A lot of governance comes along with this sort of thing. And then they realised... Well, hang on a second. If we're giving this grant to you and this grant to you, but you're researching the same thing, that's half the money. Hang mm. on a second. And they started to figure out to do some really clever things with the way research was done. At mm. what point did you first, I guess, become aware of Movember? Um, I've been able to grow a moustache since I was 12. Given yeah, my, you're if, that if you guy. If you couldn't tell by yeah, exactly. Did you get in trouble at school for not shaving? Oh, yeah. They would just drop. It's funny because it now happens at Movember as well. I come in and if I'm not clean on the size during November, someone drops it. A Gillette razor on my desk and it's like going clean I up. I went to school with a bloke like that, Chris. He'd yeah. get like after lunch, get he'd get I get, right a, out. I get a morning shadow. Yeah, he'd get like, he'd get right outs. <laughs> yeah, and like he'd be like, but I shaved this morning, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is this is madness. I'm I'm not, I'm not to blame here. <laughs> to be so hirsute. Oh, yeah. to be so hirsute. But I've known I've I've known about November for you know over a decade. We're in our twentieth year now. Yeah. Um, and I've been working there for about five years, but. You know, men's health, men's mental health has been my jam for a very long time. Why it's, is that? It's, oh, it's always a, it's always interesting to to reflect on what what comes to mind when yeah. that when that question's asked. But I've always been obsessed with with gender and masculinity. You know, I did gender studies at at uni. I was the only straight white male in the class. I'm still I still think I'm the only straight white male to ever to have a major in gender studies. So, from sorry, Sydney mate, uni. are you identified as a straight I, white yeah, male? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but I um oh, it's we, a joke. Of course. Okay? Of course. It's a joke. Because it's hilarious. <laughs> We're in a safe space. And um I so I was always interested in like why I, mean, I had a lot of female friends. I'm sure yeah. we had a, a similar. I did music and drama and and that type of stuff, which was always you know what's going on. Let's talk emotions. Let's talk about yeah. vulnerability, etc. And then I started to realize that my mates were talking in totally different ways. You know, struggling with totally different yeah. things. Um, and 
I was witnessing at home as well. I've got two older brothers and my dad who suffered from depression um, for a very long time and just witnessing how everyone was relating to each other and the impact that it was having on everyone around us. And I was like, this, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem to be going the way that it should be. And I, when I joined Movember, I, I said to them, I was like, this idea that like men just need to talk more just need to like open up and everything will be fine. I just call bullshit. I just think that's a really simplistic narrative. And I've witnessed a lot of people talking. I'm a therapist. (laughs) I've been in the room and there has to be more nuance than that. There has to be an understanding that if we tell men to open up, people need to be ready to listen. And, you know, I went through a journey. I lost my dad 10 years ago this year to suicide. Oh man. Um, Sorry. Thanks, Osha. And, he engaged with the health system. He was a GP himself. He knew what was going on. He could talk about it uh, in certain ways, but there was a generational thing. There was a shame thing. And I was like, you know, enough of this shit. I'm just, I'm fed up. We're losing over 2,000 guys a year to, to suicide um, in this country. And Six a day. Six a six day. Six a day. Nearing, nearing seven, you know. Oh, that's too many. Baby. It's way too many. And, you know, we know for, from that 130 or so close contacts are like washed up in the ripple effect. Of every person. Of every person, yeah. you know. And all of us know someone. That's yeah. just the way that this works. And so there is a really, I've got this this really, you know, this fire in my belly mm. to go, this isn't just some mental health crisis. This is a crisis of identity. This is a crisis of, of how men are brought up, of how they're able to discuss what's happening for them and how the world is reacting. And I think we are in a moment right now where the way that the world is, is dealing with speaking about and interacting with men yeah. is harming them. I, I can really relate to, like I have, I'm one of four boys and I went to an all-boys school, and I never understood the communication mm-hmm. between me and the guys at school where a really, really hard punch in the arm was supposed to say that you liked me and that I was allowed to hang out with you. Mm. Just fucking hurt. Don't yeah. hit me, Tim. That really hurt. <laughs> Hug me, mate. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, not necessarily let's sit and talk about our feelings, but can't you just say something? Like, hey, that was good. Mm. Oh, you fucking do it. Like, ow. And I, so it is quite limiting. So this idea of men are men and blah, 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 like, do do you have to start deconstructing that and figure out where, hang on a second, when did this begin? Like, surely when chivalry was supposed to be like, this is the aspiration you can be as a man. Chivalry Mm -hmm. is a mixture of power. It's a mixture of wisdom and it's a mixture of selflessness. All right. When did that stop being the thing? And when did that start being, oh, you fucking snowflake? Yeah. You're cucked. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did that happen? Yeah. I, I, I feel like there has just been a slow shift. You know, the way we talk about masculinity is that uh, it's, it doesn't actually have a very good definition. Its main definition is anti-femininity. Like it is born out of sorry, don't there's be a woman. literally a protest erupting at UNSW right now, <laughs> straight up <laughs> against straight the, up. the maths, the men anti-feminist society. Whatever, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, I, and I, I, I think that it's it's that idea. It's like don't don't be this. It doesn't tell you what to be. It tells you what not to do, and yeah. what not to do has lots of rules and regulations that you know are imbued with endless homophobia and all of this shit that we dealt with at school. And so 
what we're witnessing now is the Tates and Petersons and Rogans of the world who have this platform are able to go, all right, we're going to tell men a very clear, strict doctrine of rules and regulations that they can comply by, make your bed, you know, whatever else it, it might be, rather than here is this expansive, multiple, diverse, beautiful, constantly shifting ways of being. It, it isn't black and white. It isn't this thing that you can just wake up and put on a mask and, and rock up for the day. Yeah. But the idea that history has led us here, I think that um, it's been a, a limiting of what of what men can be because I think if you look all the way back, you know, the Greeks were so, you know, the Greeks and Romans were extremely emotional guys. They had stoicism, sure, but they also had oratory and poetry and, you know, there was diversity. There were different ways of being. And we need to just find this innate part of ourselves rather than turning it off constantly. They had a lot of hand-to-hand combat as well. Oh, yeah. Like there was a lot of stabby, stabby, sorty, sorty. Badges. <laughs> like there was a lot of that. For sure. And I wonder, I, I look, I'm not saying that we need to do that, but I wonder if that kind of hand-to-hand, face-to-face, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a blade, one of us is going to die, real, very real threat of that kind of violence mm. force people to be like, I might, might just back away a bit here and try and see what my friend here is trying to tell me mm. <laughs> rather than, you know, rather than go, well, fuck you. Yeah. And because then there's l- l- death. Mm. Uh, that was it. Uh, I wonder, I, but that's just that's. I realise that I just did what what everyone is talking about, which is bring up the Roman Empire. Ah, <laughs> that, that blows my mind. Yeah, I don't think about crazy. I don't think about that much. <laughs> Never. I really, I truly don't. Yeah. I, I, except for the um, that Mel Brooks film, which I really liked. Uh, History of the World Part One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, and Life of Brian. That's also that's kind of the only two times I ever yeah, think yeah. about. Oh, that and when I read with Marcus Aurelius, which I do quite often. Okay, so that's the only three times I think about it. But as far as it, but I understand. All right, so the make your bed thing. All right, mm. that I cannot believe how often those YouTube videos get served to me mm. uh, when I'm trying to find ways to make a bicycle pump water bottle rocket <laughs> for my son, which we got yesterday and was awesome. awesome. But I, I get it, you know, because so much, uh, as was evidenced in the Barbie movie, mm. so much of what it feels like to be not a woman, the cultural communication around it is like, well, that's wrong. Mm. You know, you can't be in a gym and look anywhere but the floor or you're a perv. Mm. You can't stand at a bus stop waiting for a bus by yourself with four other female school students and be anything but a pedo. No, I'm just a fucking guy standing waiting for a bus. All right. These, yeah, these, these, these rules that are just, and, and what I'm witnessing, you know, I, whenever I write about this stuff, I get so many mums who reach out to me who go, my son won't go to parties anymore because he's terrified of being accused of this or that. You know, we, we live within this this culture where men feel that they can do nothing right and plenty of women, understandably, are saying, fuck off, pull it together, work it out, come and talk with us. But then you've got an underlying lack of communicative ability. So the boys don't even know what to say. They don't mm. even know where to begin and they fuck it up. They say the wrong thing yeah. and then they get shut down and shamed forever. and distanced forever. Yeah, and yeah. so we're getting to a point now where you've got a vast majority of young men who have pretty, you know, values-based ideals about how to go about relating to the world, yeah? They are about equality. They are understanding of women's, you know, 
empowerment. They they know about equality more mm. broadly. But if you then ask them what you what they think society wants from men, they go, well, they don't think that a gay guy is is as much of a man as a straight man. They don't think that a man should be at home dealing with the kids. They don't think that, you know, he should be cooking, he should be the breadwinner, all of that stuff. And it's that gap we talk about a lot in November, which is the perception gap, which is that men have these munificent objectives. They have these desires for self-betterment and to look after others. But they believe that society is telling them that they need to be this traditional, unattainable man. And it's that gap which is causing great distress. So what I always say whenever I rock up in a in a locker room, for instance, yeah, which is the quintessential stereotypical horrible place, I guess, for, for masculinity to breed. Or the is, group chat. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, the group chat. Is to go, all right, you're in here and you've got these values, but the guy next to you has them as well and the other guy, but none of you are talking about it. And you're so right. instead you're just making misogynistic jokes because you think that that's what everyone wants to hear. But everyone's fucking uncomfortable. You're right. The man next to you and the man next to him break the cycle. And that's surely got to play a role in uh, a help-seeking behaviour when it comes to, you know, things going wrong with your body or things kind of starting to go skew if with the way you're thinking about the world. Mm. 100%. And and that is the thing. It's like how do we understand what is going on within our, within our body if we can't actually be able to understand how to communicate with others mm. because our needs are not deemed central in, in any of this dialogue, you know. It's like just suck it up and move on. And I think that there's, there's a societal, everyone's like, oh, if you cry more, if you do this, we're going to all open up to you. You know, Brene Brown always talks about this idea that it's like we want men to be more vulnerable. We ask for them to be more vulnerable, but then they just tip over and we go, no, 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 turn it off. Turn it off. Take that back. That's too many tears. <laughs> you know, it's like you've, you've, hit the, you've hit the line here. So it's like, all right, you, you've opened the fucking floodgates. Yeah. That's what's going on here. We've all got this deep well of emotionality within mm. us and there is no on-off switch. And so if you're asking for it, mankind has the capacity for this, but it will, it will be drowning in many ways because there are decades of repressed emotions that, yeah. that require a place to be. When it comes to, um, I, I guess, the way that we talk about masculinity. There's only one qualifier we ever hear about masculinity and people are saying it in their mind. It's the name of a Britney Spears song. Mm. What's the alternative? There's only, you rarely hear masculinity. It's only of a toxic masculinity. Mm. Where's the alternative? What's, what's an alternative way to speak about it? Yeah. I love the fact that you're looking for an alternative because there needs to be an alternative because it's a, it's a media created term. That's where it comes from. It's not science backed. It's not backed by lived experience. It's not what men are, are feeling or experiencing. And what we're witnessing now is that this term is divisive. It is pissing people off. Um, and what I always talk about whenever I'm discussing, you know, domestic and family violence, it's like this will own, this is a men's health issue and this will only be dealt with with men being central in a movement to eradicate this behaviour. And if you need men involved, don't tell them that they're broken, toxic and problematic. You know, align with their desire for self-betterment, to look after others with their altruistic intent, you know. And so instead of talking about toxic masculinity, it's like instead of washing the newspapers filled with 
Weinsteins and Trumps and all of these men that are doing bad shit constantly, where are, where are the good men? They're everywhere. Why do we not talk about it? Why does no one care? Why is it not of interest? And that's really our aim at Movember is to show through this movement, through togetherness, through ambassadors like yourself who are, who are doing good work. It's like, how do you amplify this narrative to go, actually, healthy masculinity is everywhere. It's on display. You know, it's, you know, we don't need positive masculinity. Lots of people talk about that. I don't rate that because positive has a negative and then we end up in this binary again. Healthy masculinities, this idea that there are multiple ways of being that are going to be healthy or unhealthy, that are going to impact you and the people you love, lean into that, find it and be flexible because flexibility is not innately embedded within masculinity. Masculinity is fundamentally rigid. It is you do this or you do that. You know, you need to be moving towards this idea of what what a man is or you're failing. And we talk about precarious manhood, the idea that you're constantly on the edge of a cliff. You know, there is this idea that we're going to give you man cards if you go and, you know, you play footy, you go and you do this, you're going to accrue things. But you're constantly at risk of having them taken away. Constantly, you know, unless you get off that that whole game altogether, um, which is a very hard thing for any modern man to do, which is that if you want male friends, if you want to feel included and socially connected, unless you can pull them all along with you into a new movement of masculinity, you have to play by the rules. When you talk about amplifying models of manhood or masculinity mm. uh, that we otherwise don't, we only have a kind of profile yeah, your fucking strong arm, your Putin's or your he's dead now, Berlusconi's or I you thought know, you said Putin's dead. I was like, yeah, or conspiracy yeah, fan. <laughs> small man, such a small man. Yeah, yeah, tiny. Like he, I think he was on a pony. He's on a pedestal he, or a pony. A at pony. All time. It had to have been a pony. Yeah, yeah. Because I've seen him stand next to other people, and when he's on on that, ho- that horse with no shirt on, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. When, have you seen the one who's releasing the tigers? Yeah, fucking yeah. hell. <laughs> like that is like. <laughs> There's like literally out of a montage scene from Scarface, yeah. you know. It's like, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah. But he had to. Uh, I wonder if they're like, have you know, when Prince would cast backup dancers, it'd have to find people who were shorter than five o, because Prince Prince was five o. Mm. Like, why are you gonna find people like that to make you look tall? <laughs> He's, it must have been a pony. Uh, uh, when it comes to amplifying healthy masculinity, mm. when it comes to amplifying what it means to be that, I'm gonna say a name and. I put it to you, Zach, Dr. Zach, if that's your name. <laughs> I put it to you, Dr. Zach Tidley. Bandit Healer. Mm. Bandit Healer is the epitome of what it is to be a great, flawed yet, you know, vulnerable yet powerful leader, dad, husband, father, worker, mm. cook, support network, provider, protector. Australian, yeah. human male, even though he's a dog in a cartoon <laughs> that has ever, ever, ever existed. 100%. He's amazing. Yeah. Joe Brum's a fucking genius, man. And but- it's, it's the ability to show things going wrong. It's the ability to admit that it's going to be ups and downs. It's, and, and that is the narrative that is now, it's always been linear. It's like, no, 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 I get a job and then I fucking dominate until I become CEO, you know, mm. or it's I play soccer and I don't stop until I'm the best. There doesn't seem to be this understanding. And I talk about this a lot when it comes to footy players who are talking about their mental health. Yeah. There seems to be this narrative at the moment where people go, all right, I struggled 
with my mental health. And I think you're really unique here in comparison to many other men who talk about, I, I suffered from anxiety or I suffered from depression. Mm. They never talk about the journey that they're on now yeah. and the fact that this is like a lifelong yeah. journey that they're going to be struggling with, ups and downs, that it's a part of them and they're learning how to live with it. Instead, we're still at the point where if you are talking about something that you've been through, you have to have conquered it. You have to have come past it, through it, and beaten it. I put it to you that I get to conquer something every day, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and some days it's a harder battle than others, but every day I get to bed uh, alive without having drunk or used, without having, you know, if I've hurt someone, made them not understand that I'm sorry and try mm -hmm. to make it better, try to help someone, got help for myself. Every day other than that, I was like, oh, I have won the day. And that's a huge win. That's it. Yeah. That's literally it. I just but it is, a, it is a daily grind. I don't, I don't know if it's a grind because the life that I get to live because of it is amazing. Yeah. You know, it was when I was not doing those things and I was ignoring those things. Mm. That's when, you know, it started to fuck me right up. Yeah. Know, it's the same like if you, I don't know, if you, if you got yourself a, a, a secondhand WRX from somebody that cost you a thousand bucks and you're like, oh, this is all right. Yeah, they say, oh, yeah, but the front left wheel's welded on. You can never change the front tire. You can never change the front wheel. It's got a bit of a, a bit of a, a lean to it. It's like, mm. ah, free car, I'll take it. You'll spend the rest of your time driving that car just, just adjusting to the right, knowing this is what I need to do to stay mm. straight. It's fine. I can still get from here to there. It's yeah. fine. Other cars go straight. That's okay. But I guess adjust to the right. I guess that keeps me more present on the road. There we go. Fucking fine. But the guy next to you is aircon doesn't work. And the guy behind you, his window doesn't fucking open. It's like we've all got something yeah, in that. Yeah, everyone's got something. A vehicle of life. I think it's the, for me, it's the idea of, and it's a very, you've been referred to it a few times that, uh, that, that the fundamental differences between masculine, you know, thinking, I guess, and feminine thinking, um, you know, uh, which has been co-opted and, pulled apart by the, the three men whose names mm. you mentioned earlier, <laughs> the differences between... <laughs> shall not be named. The differences yeah, yeah. between, you know, worldview and the way people see themselves. Mm. It is binary. It is on-off. It is problem, not problem. Uh, problem solved. Mm. You know, challenge, defeated. Mm. You know, that's, that's a part of it. It's not the idea of I draw a huge amount of value from the process, right? I don't... If I play footy only to win the premiership, then... That's a very small chance that I'll ever feel satisfied by this thing that I'm doing that's taking me away from my family and my friends, probably going to put my body at huge risk. Mm. And I'll probably, the chances that I'll make a career out of this and buy the big house are very, very small. But anything that isn't me holding the cup is failure. Yeah. That's hard. Mm. Versus I get up and I play footy because I fucking love it. All right. And I get to be with my friends and I get to feel a little bit better about what I do every day. If a premiership comes at the end of it, that's also awesome, but it's okay if it doesn't happen. Mm. Like doing it for the process, doing the doing it for the work itself. That for me, that is that's the key. Mm. If I was if I based my value based myself on, um, you know, attainment of values, attainment of, of of goals or things, it's it's then it's external to me, and then I can't control it, and then things get get shitty. You know what I mean? It 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 will yeah. The, there's no intrinsic benefit to having that to That's having that yeah to having that narrative by any means That's it's the word yeah so we we spoke about the um the locker room the group 
mm. chat, wherever it is, that I, I've got these things that I'm worried about, but I'm afraid I can't talk about it. When it comes to things like I can't seem to not scream at other people when I'm in the car, it never used to happen, but now I just shout mm. at cyclists. Mm. What is it that prevents us from going, man, I just get really angry when I drive now? What is it that prevents us from having those conversations? Yeah. So I think that there's there's so many different reasons, obviously, that each guy is going to be going through. But something that we're in the, in the same way that we look at moustaches is, you know, some are grey, some are blonde, some are wispy as shit and some are strong as. Um, we, we see the way that guys are, are relating to the world as being a constant battle in some ways where where people, you know, are trying to conquer their emotionality rather than understand it. And so, you know, the fundamentals of psychology, you know, what I've been inculcated in is this idea of um, self-reflection and insight. And so I once had a client, um, and this is something that really that, that brought me to Movember because we do a lot of um, health literacy. We try to upskill early, early intervention and prevention, give them the skills to know what's happening, talk to their mates, be able to actually express what's happening. I had a client once and I asked him, I was like, you seem to be going through all of this stuff. Do you ever, when you're in the moment, just check in with yourself and go, what's happening right now? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, you know, introspect. And he goes, what does that mean? And I go, you know, the internal narrative where you're in your own head and you're discussing why I'm doing this and how I'm feeling. He goes, I've never done that. What? I go, that's kind of seems like a blessing in certain circumstances to just turn it off. But he did not have right. and had never cultivated an internal narrative um, such that his ability to, you know, actually mediate his behaviour, make those little tweaks that you are making every day, that I'm making every day based on the way that people are responding to us, mm -hmm. he couldn't do it. And I continue to see so many guys who do it two, three, four weeks later, months later, when shit is hit the fan and now they're forced to go, what was that? What we want, what we're seeking is when you're in the car, when you're screaming at somebody, we're not going to be able to stop everything. That's not going to happen. But we want you to know why it's happening. We want you to know what triggered it, why it matters to you that that person gets out of the way and what is actually behind that. There's always something behind it, you know? And so... We, we I, I really want to make clear that I don't think anger is something to be feared and that's something that, you know, I stress a lot in lots of the work that I do with other psychologists because we know that guys don't really relate very well in, in therapy. It doesn't tend to, tend to go as well as it should in many circumstances and we've got more and more guys coming into care so we want to make sure that we wrap around them. But there are so many therapists that I train who go, I can't deal with male anger and aggression and I'm like... What happens if it's healthy? They go, what's healthy? What's, what, what does that mean? How, how can it be healthy? I'm like, there are reasons for men to be angry, you know? Just like female rage is, a, you know, a huge thing that has historical, oppressive, disempowering, you know, roots. Um, there is a reason that men should be feeling certain things and we cannot condone it, but we also cannot shame it. We need to find that middle ground where we understand it. And when we're missing a trick when we shut down male anger as overwhelming, frightening, whatever it might be. Because if we push and we go, no, 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 you're angry because you're actually just sad and you need to deal with that. He's never going to come to that, you know, understanding on his own. He needs you to sit with him in that moment 
and to wait for it to wash away, to be able to grapple with it before it overwhelms him. Can you talk a bit about that, the idea of anger or anger or aggression being okay or being something that a man needs for, you know, the I guess that I understand why people might be confronted by that. Mm. Uh, I certainly am, that's why I'm asking you, mm. because the only relation that I have to that is like, well, anger and aggression is bad because I've just been hit, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hard, and I'm now very afraid or running. Mm. So how how can anger or aggression be, uh, you know, outside of a f- football field where mm. it's like, no, we need you to go out there and be angry and aggressive. Mm. How can it be an okay thing? Yeah. Well, I think firstly, everyone needs to be safe. Yeah. So that's essential. Um, but what it can be is a, a reminder, a trigger, a, a point of reflection. And so that's the way that I see my own anger. Yeah. It bubbles up. And I used to do this thing where I would go, no, nah, that's not happening. You can't. And I'd just push it back down, not knowing that actually it's much more likely to explode later uh. on. That's, that's what happens because if you tell yourself that you should not or cannot be angry in a certain circumstance rather than deal with it when it's at its smallest, you know, little sapling that's, that's, that's growing and you go, actually, I'm a bit shitty about this thing and it doesn't come with the fire, with mm-hmm. the, the, the angst really because I think that that's the thing that lots of people misunderstand. Anger is often wrapped in anxiety. It's wrapped in a fear that you've been misunderstood You've been victimized, you've been disempowered, you know. All of the couples therapists always talk about it. It's like, where does this come from? Why are you fighting with them? It's because you feel misunderstood. It's because you feel your values have been, you know, um, clashed. And so we want to be able to get to the point where guys understand that this is something at its earliest point that is manageable, that is intervenable, and that is not going to be something that is going to harm them or somebody else. And if they get to that point... If they get it there later on when that flood of hormones that just the adrenaline and the everything else, the cortisol, whatever yeah, it else, yeah. goes through your brain, the neurotransmitters, when mm-hmm. they just explode into your head and then your impulse control literally goes out the window and now suddenly you're watching your hand punch someone else in the face mm-hmm. and afterwards you're like, whoa, hang on. Who did that? Yeah. How, why did I do that? I'm really sorry that it just happened. Uh, and that's the out-of-body experience. Yeah. That's exactly when that happens. Yeah. Whereas regulation, this is this is what we're seeking really, is emotion regulation amongst all guys, which is that emotion regulation doesn't mean get rid of emotion. It means understand it and know when to turn it up and turn it down based on what's happening to you and why. What do you say to someone who's, you know, you've got a client, I always find it funny how psychologists don't call them patients, they're clients. It's a weird, weird kind of word that, like it's the same thing. We're trying to distance ourselves from medicine. What, you you don't have a doctor in front of your name? I do. Come on, man. (laughs) It's a PhD, I'm different, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not that kind of doctor. Yes, I'm on board the the plane. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I'm on the plane, but I can't help you. (laughs) Luckily, like 70% of things that happen on planes are panic attacks, so I've got those under control. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you're not doing an emergency tracheotomy with a cocktail straw, which uh, I'm sure I saw in a film once. It was a MASH episode, I can't remember. So um, when you're talking to someone about introspection, like Mm -hmm. say this is the first time that uh, someone's hearing this conversation or they're trying to speak to their son or daughter about it. How would you begin to explain to someone about how to do it if they've never done it? Mm. It was a really strange, because it feels like an innate 
skill. You know, it yeah. feels like the the it it's both a plaguing of of humanity and also the greatest skill. It's our sentience. It's our cognitive ability. Um, but when I was talking to this kid, he was he was probably seventeen. Yeah, and I'm talking to him, and he's going, I can't begin to understand. I was like, all right, close your eyes. What's what you're, you're sitting there right now, okay? And you do various mindfulness activities, but I started to just throw things at him, various statements about his mum, about, you know, what had gone on with him at school the other day that he'd told me. And I was like, what is happening? And he, he continued to say for the first 10 minutes, he's like, there's, there's silence. I'm thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow. And I was like, all right, okay, what are you doing tomorrow? That's the beginnings of an internal narrative. Bring it now. And I started to realise that the whole thing is just avoidance. Uh, he was terrified of the moment and his actual internal machinations. Right. They scared him because he'd gotten to the point where he had had really angry, aggressive thoughts about his family and he, he didn't want those. They were evil. They were horrible. Right. And so he turned off that part of his brain. Wow. Yeah. And then he started to be flooded with anger. Right. which is what understandably happens. And the really important thing that I did with him there was I don't do this thing, this thing which lots of therapists like to do, which is, okay, I can see that you're angry. <laughs> yeah, I just want to do it. Especially if you're working with young guys, I amp up with them. I'm like, this is fucked. Yeah. I, I get there. I get to that point yeah, where yeah, I'm willing yeah. to just like sit with it in rather than I'm so sorry. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's just not gonna. That's not gonna do it. Because you're telling them to come back down. Yeah, you need to sit there. You need to let it, let it yeah, flood the yeah. room. You know, be okay with that as well. That's that's extraordinary because it really it just starts, I guess, with you know, closing eyes helps because it allows you to kind of, I guess, get in touch with your body a bit. And how do we know we're feeling an emotion? Because something in our body changes. Mm. Our breath quickens. Our hands shake. Something. It's for me. It's always in my tummy, which is weird when. Your, your toddler says, my tummy hurts. And you're like, oh. <laughs> I gave that to you. <laughs> no, no, mate. Oh, nah. I, I tell you what I'm trying to give him, which is, you know, as you mentioned earlier, nah. I'm just trying to give him emotional regulation. We've yeah. been doing breathing since he was, we started with snake breaths. Wow. He was one, I think, 18 Love months it. old. When he's putting his helmet on because he got a bit, I said, do your breaths, mate. Takes a big breath in. And then he just does it automatically. Because he used to get, I think he got a court, mm. got his skin caught mm. under there. Mm. One of his, you know, he's super chubby and he'd get his skin caught in the helmet. And now he just does it automatically. And like that in itself, I didn't learn to do that until I was in my 30s. Mm. So to start like that, amazing. And they, they do it heaps at daycare, mm. you know, and, and I hear about it from other mates who've got kids who are a bit older. They do heaps of that, just teaching them down regulation skills. Surely that kind of education at that stage in life um, though it's kind of a bit late for blokes in their 30s and 40s when things get critical or acute, surely education at that stage in life, is that's the point to really embed those things. Yeah. It's interesting because whenever I talk with, with parents and they're like, oh, I, you know, I didn't have trucks. I gave him you know, the opportunity to do whatever he wanted. I allowed all emotions in the room and yet he's 12, 13 and he's just suddenly turned into this monster. And it's like, how did, how did this happen? And it's like, that's, that's a control situation, which is that if you embed really good values in a child, they're going to rebel against you, but they will come back. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll come back. They'll find, they'll find home. But it's interesting what you said there about 30 and 40 year old men, you know, and even older, you know, the, the suicide rate is, is worst in men in their forties. Like that's where it, 
sits and it's increasing in that age bracket. Jesus. Yeah, because there's employment stresses, there's kids, yeah. there's the idea they lose friends, you know, there's this social connection situation yeah. that goes on. And there seems to be a real, there's a lot of focus on young, young guys. Everyone is really willing to engage with little kids and with, you know, teenage boys because there's mm. hope. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, th- hopefully 30 and 40-year-olds are not beyond us. You know, that has to be something that we are willing to grapple with, that we are willing to engage with, that we have a plan about how to talk with those guys. People don't want to, people don't want to engage with, you know, 140 kilo incels sitting at home, you know, on 8chan, writing horrible shit on the internet, you know, working a shitty job and hating the world. Mm. People don't want to engage with that person, but that person's just as fucking forgotten they are definitely forgotten and they, there is, you know, I, I remember seeing Nitram about the Port Arthur massacres. Oh, yeah, wow. Really, really full-on movie. And the whole first hour of the movie is this poor boy being fucking bullied left, right and centre. And everyone goes, this, and this, this is the same idea and I always talk about the, the notion that violence and suicide are two sides of the same coin. Wow. It's harming oneself or harming others. Yeah. It's this notion that you have felt that society does not care about you and so you're going to inflict harm upon yourself or harm upon on others to, to, to reassert yourself. We would love to get to the core of that and go, power is not the answer here. Strength is not the answer. But we can also do a lot from an early intervention point to get men to look after one another, mm. to realise early, not just when shit hits the fan, yeah. what is happening, how it's going, and to reduce what is, you know, I saw the other day at the beach these these boys just like ripping on each other and this idea that it's like Australian banter and it's good and it's in politics and it's everywhere. It's like how is there a way that you can have humour that doesn't undermine someone's like sense of self, you know, and I'm inculcated in this this is a part of who i am as well and so you start to take it away you're like don't you know don't take this away from me i need this this form of of joke making in order to like survive for some reason but it's painful it's painful to so many people and i think that that's what's going on we see these 30 40 50 year olds who are sitting in their basements going you deserve everything that you get and it's like if you would, if you do not have any empathy for them, if you do not pull them towards the light, mm. um, if you just push them further and further away, uh, we're getting to a point where we're not going to be able to pull back the next generation of young men towards this idea of, of self-betterment, of, of equality, of, of togetherness, you know, because they are isolated. They don't even have mates. Yeah. They've just got trolling. Just a moment away from Dr. Zach Seidler to let you know that there's a listener survey in the show notes, which I'd really appreciate your time with. And if this podcast is bringing you value, if you've heard something in the show that you think there's a bloke in my life who needs to hear this, please send it to them because that is truly the best way that you can help us. Uh, financially, it helps us a lot. If you send more listeners our way, it doesn't cost you a thing. I'm not asking you to send out money on Patreon. We have a Patreon. If you want to give me money there, go ahead. But It'd be absolutely brilliant. Just there's an ellipse, there's a paper plane, there's an arrow, there's a share button somewhere in what you're listening to this on. Send it to someone. Copy the link. Pop it in a text message. Tell somebody. Tell your bus driver, whatever. Really appreciate it. We're back in a moment with Dr. Zach Seidler. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The groundbreaking stuff that Movember did with, um, for example, prostate cancer mm. research, like that stuff is, is is fascinating. I remember Garoni telling me that they would find out that someone would come to them for funding and they go, we've just come up with this brilliant idea, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, cool, and we funded something exactly like that. Three years ago, they found this, they found that. If you think you can't improve on that, well, maybe try something else. Yeah. And that was no one had ever really done that before mm. because they were this central funding body, which mm. was really, really interesting. But w- something like prostate cancer, it's – I mean, I'm sure men love it because it's very – it sells. Mm. It is it is or it isn't malignant. You know, it's yeah. – you know, Take it, it out, cut it out, radio, whatever it might be. It's, it's, there's yeah. a pathway. Yeah. When it gets to the complexities of family structure and dynamics and kids and stuff like that and – how, how does the research around the psychology part and the, the suicide prevention of Movember, how does that play out? Mm, it's messy. And this is the thing, especially when we're talking to our fundraisers out there, you know, we've got six million guys and, and women, incredible, um, you know, numbers within our community who are wanting to know where the money goes, wanting to understand how we go about this stuff. And we said to them, it took us a decade to get an understanding of what's happening in the prostate cancer world, Mm -hmm. you know, and to start to get these drugs to the point where we are hoping that within the next decade or so, thanks to ours and others' help, prostate cancer will not kill men. Wow. So, and that has taken an understanding that there are so many of these little grassroots, you know, researchers, whatever, doing all of this stuff and doubling up. And that's what we're witnessing in the mental health space. And so now I'm trying to go, what is what is happening? What is everyone trying to do? And what is evidence-based? Because there's a lot of this idea of what men want. It's the sequel, Helen Hunt and Mel Gibson. Um, and, and I think that, that uh, it's... I'll pay it. I'll pay it. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know why it hasn't happened. But, uh, well, <laughs> have you ever heard a Mel Gibson phone call? <laughs> <laughs> There's probably uh, I think he's uh is at his time. Helen Hunt though. He made a, he, I don't think he needs to he's no. doing all right. He's, he's okay. He's all right. <laughs> he's okay for cash. But what you know, there there is this idea in the mental health world that like what men want is they want humor, they need clear communication, you need to speak to them in a solution oriented way, you know, you know, and it just it's reducing us to the lowest common denominator consistently. And so what we're trying to do at the moment is go, all right, what's happening for young men in sports teams? What's happening for young men on on TikTok? What's happening with middle-aged guys and their relationships? We're looking at all of the places where men are and we're looking at the key risk factors that they deal with day to day and we're going, 
actually there has been far too much anecdotal evidence that's being thrown around and that's why we're not seeing any movement in the statistics. There is just this idea that if we, you know, somehow get guys to just discuss what's happening, everything will be better. And it's not happening because you're, you're, you're seeing we're doing it now. You see it all over the shop. Men are, are opening up and, and talking about what's happening to them. And um, it's not being listened to. It's not being embraced and it's not going far enough, I don't think. And so understandably, there are a lot of women who are going, I do not want this emotional labor anymore, you know. And so we need to find a way amongst one another. And that's what Movember is trying to do. That's what our movement is about, is don't only lean on each other, prop each other up, find out what is happening and provide a foundation that is robust and that is life-saving um, and not for just one month a year. Because you know, it's, it's not for want of trying. You know, the, the amount of, you know, active like programs and things that are, are out there and, and helplines and all this kind of stuff is, is huge. And yeah. even in, in, in my lifetime, the, you know, someone like me could have never spoken about the things that I've spoken about and felt okay, mm. you know, um, and that's, it's profound to have that kind of opening and we, we can't let perfect be the enemy of good, you know, no. and sometimes awesome stuff takes a while and unfortunately like with six people dying every day, like it's, it's extraordinarily urgent, like unbelievably urgent for this to happen. For sure. And so that requires an understanding that we've created a really good base here of we've got the lifelines, we've got all of these services that are starting to open up, we've got conversations that are happening, and now we're at the point where we go, actually, how do we how do we man-wrap this? How do we give this a bit of gender sensitization yeah. to make sure that it, it meets the mark? You know, I created a program with, with Movember called Men in Mind, which is when men go to see a therapist, yeah, 45% of them drop out because they just don't get what they need. Yeah, they're not able to actually connect with the counsellor. They're speaking a different language. They've never done it before. It's really foreign and uncomfortable. So instead, we go, all right, we're going to upskill the practitioners. Because a decade ago, we go, men, you're not good enough. <laughs> Why aren't you speaking in my language? Why aren't you communicating in a way that makes sense to me? Rather than going, actually, maybe the system is the issue. Maybe the fact that every therapist website with butterflies <laughs> is, is the problem here. Because no woman wants that either. It's not the way to go. It's kind of like a, a, a light cream. <laughs> and someone's wearing linen, and there's <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, that's inviting. And I and I rock up, and uh, I've done this. I've I've done uh, an inventory of a hundred psychology practices in wow. in Sydney, and um, there are, I think there were three out of the hundred. Ninety-seven of them had only women's health magazines, <laughs> and it's like you're welcome here. Come and, come and chat with me in a way. That it doesn't matter that the majority of psychologists are women. That doesn't matter. There's very clear evidence that women are very good at treating men. Yeah. They understand. They know what's going on. They've got an objectivity. It's great. The issue is that we are not creating a system that is male-friendly, and it doesn't need to be blokey, and this is the issue. What we do is that any time I see someone who's, like, starting out a new mental health movement, it's wrapped in blue, it's really blokey, and it's like, no, 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 that's not the issue. We don't need this pendulum swing. We need to find a middle ground that is actually going to really embrace those different forms of masculinity and go, this is what 
a guy is grappling with today, this is what he might be grappling with tomorrow, and that's fine. That diversity of, of you know, experience is totally fine. What kind of lessons can we learn from outside of psychology? And I, I only say it because, you know, you use the word grappling and it just flicked my head to the discipline around something like jiu-jitsu, for example. Mm. And uh, there's a level of respect. There's a hierarchy involved. The whole thing is humility. Mm. The whole thing is like you're, you're very rarely, if ever, up against anyone that you can defeat. Mm. You know, you'll always be tapping out yeah. if you want to go higher you have to you know you have to submit mm. essentially mm. um what can we learn from things like that where there's this combination of power and humility and restraint mm. what can we learn from things like that there's inherently psychology in all of this stuff which is great and i don't think that we should shy away from it but it's really interesting that you bring that up because when we look at the men's movement at the moment it is people going how do we lean into cold showers? Let's have all meat diets. Let's go and and you know get ripped at, at the gym. Let's let's inbuild discipline because that's the only antidote to chaos. Mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of how it's being sold at the moment. But I would love, and and this is the thing, I would love to get to a point where we are able to do that uh, within community, where we're able to actually connect with one another on a on a level where we don't have to go and find these these spaces and places that are going to offer us some kind of, of doctrine, you know. But there, there is so much power in and wisdom in things like jiu-jitsu, in, you know, Buddhist practice, in all of these things that many men seek out, you know. Yeah. But it just feels that it is a um, – currently it's a bit of a um, – it's like a this this I need to go in an opposite direction and I need to push back and backlash against it rather than bring it in. I need to find a way to embed this into my life rather than push against the way that life is working. In my own experience, I um I kind of saw what the doctors were trying to do with me and I essentially, I essentially built my own program. I built my own structure mm. because yeah, my brain was in so much chaos. I, Zach, I literally wrote down everything that I had to do that day. It was maybe 147 things long mm. because it was granular as put shoes on, grab keys, walk out door, make sure locked behind me, go find bicycle, unlock bicycle, put on helmet. Like it was that granular because mm. I was so fucked. Every decision point was paralysis. Mm. All right. Because I was in that pressure of having to make the choice. But if I'd written the day, list the day before, there's no problem because I was out of the moment. Mm. And then I, and I found that to be so useful and it got me through the really hardest, hardest, hardest days. And so building in things like physicality, building in things like um, sobriety meetings, which is, you know, you know, being of service, there's mindfulness, there's aware of others, empathy, things like that, building that stuff into my day and creating that, going to see my doctor, mm -hmm. uh, building that stuff into my day and then just making sure that was a part of every day was was a huge key uh, to me. Like is there is there a, a place for... For that, is there a place for building your own kind of way out of the woods? 100%. And this is where we talk about, you know, self-reliance is a really key masculine ideal that everyone's like, no, let's get rid of it. <laughs> when you need to connect with everyone else, you need to find a way to rely on everyone in, in times of need. That's just not going to happen. 
you need to find a language internally that is going to safeguard yourself in hard times and you need to know when that is tipped over and you have reached your limit. And what you talk about there is a really clear understanding of your own needs, is an introspective ability to go, this is where I'm at, this is what I require, and this is how I'm going to manage it. And it is that insight that we're hoping, you know, millions of, of guys are going to be able to to seek out and discuss with others. Because that's the thing, if you're doing this on your own, which I think lots of men have heaps of practices that they do on their own, they're for some reason either ashamed to admit that they're doing it or they think that talking about it is going to ruin it somehow. Rather, there is innate wisdom amongst us. How can we find a way to not get and not proselytize either, but find a way to go, this worked for me, why don't we tweak it, why don't you give it a go? But that ritualistic, self-reliant understanding of how my day-to-day is going to run. Mm. If it if it worked, if it safeguarded you, if it kept you, you know, safe. Well, it also had agency. They had it gave me agency for sure. It allowed me to purpose. Yeah, and and like and that's a that's a a thing that I I did want to ask you about. Like, how far back do we want to go? But there was a time when purpose was very fucking clear, mm. very clear. This is who you are. This is what you need to go and do. Off you go. Mm. She will do this. You will do that. There's the expectations. Off your pop. And that was it. And now with, you know, I don't, I don't have to go and, I mean, we do have food in the front yard, but I don't have to go and till the soil every day to make sure we can eat. Yeah. You know, and I don't, certainly I don't have a job where I, you know, have to go and punch a clock and, you know, do mm. stuff at a factory for hours all day. Mm. But there was a time when that was it and not necessarily simpler times. Everything had its complexity, but things were quite defined. So what role does purpose have in how we feel about ourselves and how, you know, what role can purpose play in helping us get out of a tough spot? Purpose is is huge. That's what our movement is about. It, it was attempting. And I think what's really unique here is that uh, Movember is one of very few you know, men's health charities doesn't happen. We're the biggest in the globe. It seems to be impossible for some reason to get men to coordinate behind something, you know. that it, it seems to be really, really hard. And so the reason that we are promoting this narrative of, of, of togetherness through shared purpose is because we're now at a moment where there was really clear, delineated identity, yeah, back in the day. Everyone knew where they were going. We've now gotten to a point, thankfully, of female empowerment. And for some reason, men have gone, well, there's not enough space for us anymore. It's like that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. And rather than crafting something with depth, with diversity, with beauty, you know, with and and, and instead we've gone We've lost. We've lost room. We've lost an understanding of who we are. And so we're going to rebel. We're going to push against the wall that is here rather than going, actually, how can we redefine our purpose? How can we find a really nice niche place for myself to fit? It doesn't need to be steeped in history. It doesn't need to be what your father or your grandfather did. And that seems to be that everyone is arcing back to this this time when it was like, oh, why did he get it so simple and I don't? It's like simplicity shouldn't be something that's necessarily sought. Complexity can be beautiful. It just requires acceptance that we're in a new time, there are new things happening, and 
purpose needs to be something that you talk about and it shouldn't be something that is, um, you know, it seems to be a deal breaker for young guys where they're just like, it's success or failure. And that seems to be purpose for them rather than understanding that their growth, you know, and these esoteric things that, that are really hard to talk about uh, should be the reason that you wake up in the morning. Once we're done here, there's a bloke coming to do some plastering upstairs. He's probably 23. You know, he's got a very fancy ute. Probably pays a shit ton every <laughs> month to pay for it. Mm. What could that bloke, he's, you know, he's, he's 23, he's got a ute full of tools. What does purpose look like f- for someone like that? Mm. He's probably living in Sydney, probably still with parents, mm. if not in a share house with probably five other blokes. Mm. What does purpose look like for someone like that? Mm. I think that sitting down and understanding his values is always really key, you know. But I, I also just think it's like, what does he derive pleasure from? No one seems to be talking about joy. You know, we always discuss when it when we when we talk about young kids, yeah, four or five year old young yeah. boys, we've always got this idea that there is um this regression of, of emotion, this reduction whereby they lose all this sadness, yeah? We talk about how when they get to, to preschool, you slowly, through observational studies, are going to see young boys lose their sadness. They're going to lose that ability to actually emote in that type of way because it's not deemed acceptable. What they also lose in many instances is joy, is joy and happiness. And so when I sit down with lots of guys and talk to them about purpose, I ask them what they enjoy. I ask them what is meaningful to them. I ask them what, you know, and their inability to articulate that, to even think about it, because the hustle, the hustle is the thing that they've been taught. The idea that there is a grind, the idea that they need to suffer in order to to get something meaningful out of life rather than being able to actually access that part of themselves which goes, who am I? What do I want? What do I like? You know, so for that guy who's, who's coming, I think that his purpose should really gravitate towards what helps him grow, what helps him see. And, and this is the thing, it gets really, whenever, whenever you, I speak with a tradie, they're just like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, what is this? Yeah. And, and so we have, to, we have to shift the language there around what gets him up in the morning around, you know, if he is working like a dog and he's making the money, what is he going to be doing with that? What is going to keep him him kicking in many ways? Do you ever talk to people like that, like what what effect their job has on other people? Because mm-hmm. that's he, the work he's going to do today is going to transform the way we live in this house. Yeah. And that'll be that way for years. For sure. Do you ever talk to them about that sort of thing? Yeah. It's funny because that doesn't come up for them. It doesn't feel meaningful to them. It feels just like a... But the, the tradies that I've spoken to before, I'm like, you know that you're providing a really important service, you know, that is, yeah, going to ease someone else's yeah. burden, one way or another, especially given my soft hands and inability if I can do anything. <laughs> but um, it is that um, societal narrative around you're useful Mate, you're useful. We need you. Yeah. That's not being discussed anymore. I'm heading off to Japan in a couple of weeks for a work thing. And um, remember the last time I was there, I just got so envious, not only of like just the fucking trains, they run to the second, like boom. Mm. Yet it was the unbelievable pride that every person we encountered in a service position had in their role um 
the person who clicked our ticket, the person that we bought a water off. Audrey started crying when the train pulled out of the station. The guard saluted everyone on the platform. Like, I'm getting every one of you home to your family safely. That's what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, but I knew I'm in a fucking eight hours of this shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, fuck, it's the same thing. He's pulling the same levers. He's doing the same job. But, but he's decided to find something greater. Mate. Yeah. I was like, man, I could probably do a bit of that. Because mm. <laughs> it's like the idea of the collect, like, what are you to another person? I guess in in, in the recovery uh journey that I'm on, it is is uh, it is truly only in being of service to another person where the, the happiness truly arises. Mm. Um, things make me happy. Yeah. Being of service to another person, that's what makes me, that's that's what really, that's what really gets me. And that's the thing that I really, you know, really, really ticks my clock, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the young man on TikTok before. Mm. Uh, this is, I mean, it was musically, if you look on musically years ago, you'll find footage of me doing dances, you know, nine, 10 years ago. Um, what have you seen um, in the research that you've been doing and the things that you're exploring? What have you seen about the effect of literally every eight seconds seeing another thing mm. go past your face? Possibly things that either make you upset or things that make you feel less than because you're not as ripped or don't have that color Bugatti. The book, we're going straight for Bugattis. Going straight for Bugattis. <laughs> I've used a word that people who know, know. Yeah. Right. Know. People who know, know. Yeah. 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 Um, so, we're about to, you know, embark on a really um, exciting, and this is where where Movember is is you know going to be hopefully carving new ground because TikTok is a perfect example. Social media, more broadly, is a perfect example of where alarmist narratives are going. This is where toxic masculinity is being bred. This is where it's it's being formed, it's being calcified, and and we're losing young men. There is very little evidence to suggest that that is the case. Really? Yeah. So no one has actually gone on and, and looked at if a boy watches, firstly, how much are they watching? Yeah, we know that on average a young person is, is on TikTok for about two to two and a half hours a day. Jesus, fuck. So if I'm coming in as a therapist once every two weeks for an hour and going, oh, let's think about these things, and they go home and they fucking scroll, I can't beat that. I can't compete with that. So... The issue that I have with the way that uh, social media is is working is that especially something like TikTok, if young men want to uh, have hopefully that insight, yeah, that self-regulatory ability to go, I need to check out of this, there is nowhere to go. There is ostracism, yeah. There is a social isolation that comes with that. And what we see, and this happens with eating disorder content and young women, Regardless of whether they like the content, yeah, the longer they watch it, the more they get. And even if you are, and this is the really interesting psychological thing, the more disgusted you are by something, the more you dislike something, the more you're probably going to watch it because you're fascinated. It's a human situation. And so these young girls are watching more and more of this content to the point where we can predict whether or not a young girl has an eating disorder based on their algorithm. Crikey. And so... We're starting to go, all right, is this actually happening with the manosphere, with with this TikTok content that yeah. is based on incels, red pill, all of this dark shit? Um, are these young men being, uh, you know, brought into this new world that they can't escape? Because young guys are using TikTok as Google. So if they start to type stuff in to search, to understand the world, their algorithm has trapped them 
in this this cycle of information that they think that they want. So we're in discussions with with TikTok to get to the point where hopefully you can, you know, get pop-ups that are going to redirect you. You know, we, we see that a lot in the in the suicide space, that if there is if you type something into Google, it will it will immediately go lifeline, lifeline. It will it will send you in the right place. But at the moment, you can watch whatever you want on TikTok and it will it will drown you. And so we want to understand what impact it's having on young guys. But not only everyone keeps talking about their their anxiety or, or depression. I want to know what it does for loneliness. I want to know what it does for shame and guilt, what it does for ideas around sex, you know, all of these and they're all overlapping. And so we're going to find out over the, the next year exactly what is um you know, going on behind the scenes, but we cannot throw out the baby with the bathwater. We cannot go, let's get rid of all social media because there is, we, we can't even begin to quantify what the good is, let alone the bad. So we need to understand the Goldilocks zone, which is yeah. what we talk about, which is like, where is it, where is it actually helpful and how can we go, yep, that's enough. They talk about it a bit. The first car to ever go 100 kilometres an hour was, I think it was in uh, 1890 something. Oh, no, no. Sorry, 1912. Mm. It was 1912. Mm. And it was an electric car. Mm. Went 100 kilometres an hour. <laughs> wow. Uh, Victoria became the first um, uh, state or territory anywhere in the world to mandate seatbelts in 1970. So it was like, what, 58 years mm. of death, dismemberment, maiming, limbs being lost, lives being destroyed. You know, I, can, I hope we don't have to wait that long. Yeah. We're but, not very good at regulating things. But it, was, it had such utility. Yeah. The vehicle had such utility. We're like, yeah, it's bad that people die. And this one goes faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, we will, I'm sure we will figure it out. How do you even begin? Like, where does the, is the research being done here in Australia? Do you guys, does Movember have a, you're a global organization. Mm. Do you have a way you look at funding, you know, around the world? Yeah, definitely. So as the, the head of research, we, I've got a team, which is great, but we also partner with endless universities mm. and, and different organizations to make sure that we can, you know, we, we, you want a level of independence as well. Um, but what we do with, with the TikTok research, for instance, we're doing that in the US, UK and Australia because very different markets. And we, at the start, we were like, oh, we're not going to go to the US. It's a shit show and this is way too complex. And, um, you know, we had to sit down. We were like, what are we afraid of here? <laughs> what is, you know, it's research. Asking these questions, we should be open to it. So in partnering with, you know, some Canadian universities, some Australian universities, we start to go, what are the questions that we need to ask and how do we go about, you know, really fundamentally getting to the bottom of this stuff that everyone seems to love to write a bloody op-ed about with no data. Yeah. Everyone's just throwing it out there and saying, this is harming our boys. It's like, if you read any book at the moment that is out on modern masculinity, 75% of it is going to be risk and problem-based. Everything is broken. Everything is fucked. There is no light in the tunnel. Rather, can we switch that and go, can I have 75% of solutions? But no one has any. Right. <laughs> no one has any at the moment. Certain people are like, oh, we should start boys a year later at school. It's like, that's not a solution, you know? So I guess it's people looking for possibility, looking yeah. for something to change. Yeah. People want to f make something different than the way it is now mm. for people who either are the, are the parent or the you know the sibling of of a, of a young man or you know even a man in their 40s like mm. you could talk to me about purpose you could talk to me about 
connection. Mm. Yeah, tell me about because these seems like two things that are kind of within our control if our brains are working well. Mm. What are some things that people can start to do today? Like because the research is going to take some time. Mm. What are some things that people can start to do today for themselves or for the men in their lives? I think uh, we need to find safe spaces to have these discussions. Like I can't remember the last time I went to a to a pub and I saw a, a group of guys sitting around and, and talking about a, a meaty topic that is happening in their lives like fatherhood. You know, we're getting to the point now where that's tipping over, but it seems to happen. Mental health conversations more broadly are still happening in dark rooms, in back corners, you know. We want to be able to bring this into the light. And so being willing to hear any answer is especially for parents of, of, of teenage boys. It's like sitting down and being willing and able to hear whatever happens. And you're probably going to get a couple grunts for the first 10 minutes, but it will flow if you just sit back and just allow it space. And talking to them, talking to a young man about purpose, about, and, and this is the thing that parents don't do a lot of, they don't talk about their own journey. They talk about their past journey, you know, about what they ca- overcame, which is what we discussed before. But they don't talk about the fact that if I'm in my 40s, 50s or 60s, I'm still working this shit out. Yeah, I'm still in it. And I'll do it alongside you. And it's just really adulthood is just an extension of adolescence where we're just like, oh, God, what happened? Who am I? Where does it go? It just thankfully some of the volume at times gets turned down. But I think we want to be providing a space for young guys to fuck up, to in a, in a safe environment ask impossible questions that we might not have the answers to, that we are willing to say, I don't know, let's find out together. And, and that's kind of what's going on at the moment with mates is, is that there seems to be this two minutes of, yeah, let's get a bit vulnerable and shut down. This is, it's either too much, you've asked, you've phrased it the wrong way, it's too difficult for me to deal with, or let's just rock up with some banter because I'm uncomfortable. And so many people ask, you know, I've been kicked out of so many bloody WhatsApp groups, it's like out of control because I'll, you know, porn will be sent right in the middle of a work day. And I'm yeah. like, nah. And they're like, you're out. And that's a very hard thing for someone who wants connection, who wants to be able to be embraced by his mates. Um, you know, you need, to, you need to find that. And that's where the purpose kind of comes in, which is that I believe that me having these discussions with these guys is actually hopefully going to elevate them and, and provide them with a safer space. But it's, it's cooked. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's also in giving permission to be, and as you mentioned earlier, it is in modelling mm. what what it is to be to be to be a man and to have a, a masculinity that is beneficial to yourself and those around you. Mm. Uh, you know, aside from healthy or unhealthy, just a beneficial version of masculinity. What is what is something that's pur- purpose driven? What's something that's useful? What's something that makes the world that you live in a better place for you and people around you? Because ultimately, the, we are social creatures. Mm. Um, and you know that, like it comes, it comes down as you mentioned. It comes down to you know what's going on with me. Do I feel good or bad about this? Am I able to communicate it in a way that makes sense? Sh- giving permission for each other for not, not understanding because every learning is based on a mistake. Everything. Yeah. Nobody gets anything right perfectly. No one just goes. I know how to ski. No, you fucking fall over for a week and it hurts, but you want to do it. Getting kicked out of group chats, and I've been kicked out of group chats. It comes for me. It comes back to the avoidance. Mm. It's like the other people in there don't want to 
actually have the discussion about why it's not great yeah. that you their friend doesn't like this thing. It's easy to get you out mm. versus it's that avoidance. So you know, if I know anything about avoidance, it just makes shit worse. <laughs> it's, uh, um, but just be curious. I don't know. And the, and this is where you know our our new mantra of sorts around because we live in a world now where being a men's health organization is is tricky. Yeah, it just fundamentally is. And what we'd want to show is that healthy men, healthy world. <laughs> that's how this that's how this works. Yeah. We're not here for men at the exclusion of others. We're actually here at men for the inclusion of others. We're here to understand guys so that they can flourish, so that they can give back, so that they can be powerful but respectful, mm. you know, honest you know, caring individuals. And what that will do is fundamentally reduce carer burden for women who oh. are who are holding all of this shit yeah. themselves. It will improve the education system where, you know, at the moment it's like every kid has ADHD. It's like, no, actually, they just learn differently. Boys are feeling differently. They They embody, you know, feelings in different ways. If we can just understand the way that men are relating to the world and have a bit more empathy for that, then we'll be able to actually, you know, move forward in a way that's going to to hopefully shift the dial on lots of these statistics because they're dire. They're dire for oh, everybody. Everybody. When I, I, you know, I'm very grateful to be associated with Movember and I have been for many years now. Because um, when I met the guys, they looked like the blokes at school who used to bully me. Yeah. <laughs> they looked exactly the same. I was like, well, hang on a fucking second. Yet they spoke with empathy and kindness for the other men around them in a way that, and they were like ex-military, one mm. of ex-military guys. I'm like, hang on a second. I'd never seen that ever. Mm. I was like, oh, this is good. I, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm here. And by this point, I'm already fucking vegan and I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm like way out the edge yeah, here. Yeah. And uh, it is, it's, it's just in, in, in modeling that and trying to be that for, for, for others. And yeah. And willing to embrace that. A guy will come in a flawed way with a flawed history, as we've all got, but being open to go, what's what's going on right now? What do you, what <laughs> matters? What matters to you? What yeah. matters to you? And how can I help? And that's what our movement is kind of based on, and yeah. that's what we want to move forward with. Life is like think of how good you feel when you solve a puzzle, mm-hmm. like even a little one that I do says with Wolfgang. You feel good. It's like yeah, I figured it out. Every day is just figuring out a puzzle. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Did you figure out a puzzle today? I did. Great. Welcome. Box is open. Let's try again tomorrow. Mm. That's all it is, man. Thanks for coming by, man. Thanks for having appreciate me. it. Thanks for the twenty minutes of stuff that we talked about before. <laughs> I appreciate that. Anytime. Too. And that was Dr. Zach Seidler. He is a fantastic bloke, and I'm so grateful he came around. Movember is celebrating twenty very furry faced years this year. I'm so stoked. Good for them. They're great people. Start important conversations this Movember. Raise funds. Save lives. You can do it all. Just sign up at movember.com. They are a really powerful charity. I've done a lot of work with many different charities over my career, but these guys really know what they're doing. Uh, I got a lot out of that conversation, but hearing Zach talk about purpose, that really got me thinking. So I might... 
I might have to let my brain bubble a bit on that and come back on Friday and talk more about that. Thank you, Dr. Zach, for making time. Thank you so much to Movember for making this episode happen. Thank you, Acast, for lining us up. Thank you very much. To Andy Ma, thank you for audio and video post-production. Abby Benno, who produced the episode. Toe Hider, who made all the music. Ben Richardson, my partner in business. And if you need me, I'm at send email at gmail.com. Uh, tell a friend. Do the survey. I'll see you Wednesday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.